Now, I didn't know anything about this challenge that was given by Haynes. Just heard about it. And so you've heard about the, the Battle of the Bands. You've heard of that, right? Right? You've heard of WrestleMania? Well, this is called Preach-Off. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, we're in competition because Fran's good, Haynes. Fran is good. She's over preaching on Ruth in the series of heroes and heroines. And so you'll get to hear about Ruth. Next week we'll talk about David and here. And so find a place as we're in the midst of this summer series. Heroes, they're intriguing, aren't they? There's something in our human psyche that is fascinated by Heroes and heroines. And I don't know which one is your favorite. And maybe you've talked about it since we started that series. I mean, maybe for you, for me, growing up, it was Batman. Remember, remember the old animation when Batman would swing and go, BAM! You know, the little clap. It was awesome. And I wanted to be Batman. And, and then Robin Hood. And then Wonder Woman, I wish you knew I'm married. <laughs> Put that deposit in my account. <laughs> and so we have all kinds of, of heroes. Indiana Jones, I love it. Don't you remember that one scene where the guy's doing all this Taekwondo thing to him and he pulls out a gun and shoots it? 
And the other that I think is critical for us to remember is that there is power that goes, well, it, it supersedes them, but it is available to them. It's a supernatural availed power. So think of those components. When they would go to the deepest and most desperate and dark places, and even put themselves in harm's way. My oldest son, Jacob, who was baptized in this church, he's 25 years old, he works in Dallas. And this week he said, Dad, I saw, I saw some amazing things. I saw devastation when five police officers were killed and it was all being reported locally as well as nationally. And he said, I work close by to where the event occurred. And he said, they have the streets blocked off. Uh, they're continuing to do an investigation. That is all part of the protocol. And he said, I saw something really strange. It's something wonderful. And I said, what was that? Doing? He said, I saw these men and women in bulletproof vests with... armor about them. I saw a slot truck. I saw the cruisers. I saw the weaponry over their shoulder and over their hip. And I saw some of them with tops of goals and looking ice So it was weird. Dad. It was like, this is not going together. This is awkward. It doesn't look professional. He said, then my eyes moved over and I saw a group of benevolent people from the community pounding out cold goods in the heat of the day as an expression of love and respect and honor and solidarity. And then it made sense why uniformed men and women were looking nice. You see, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. They come from all walks of life. Such is the case with Moses. Now think about the story. You know the story probably pretty well. But let's just highlight some of the details. You have an infant that is placed in a basket because the Hebrew people were being persecuted and children were being slaughtered. And, and so Moses was placed in the Nile and he was in safely a basket. He floated down and Pharaoh's daughter intercepted him as she was in the water near the palace. And she took him in. She helped to make sure that he was taken care of and she helped to raise him and he became the prince of Egypt. You may remember that title that was given to him. Great authority was given to him. But his own kindred, his own people were in slavery, they were in bondage. And in some ways he may have become immune to this, but in other ways he was sensitized to this. And he saw injustice, he committed injustice, and in then he murdered and he fled for his life. He went 
to Moab, and in his running away, he became a simple shepherd, from priest to shepherd. He had a flock. He didn't have a lot of responsibility. He married Zephora. Jethro became his father-in-law. Sounds like a plant that says it. And, and, and Jethro was a herdsman and said, you can work for me. You were married to my daughter, and I will provide a means for you to live. And I would say to you, it would be likened to an early out retirement for him. It, it would be likened to all of his responsibilities as the prince of Egypt, now one as a person on the run, who has now given away all of that, has left it behind, and is safe and comfortable. And if you ask him, Moses, how are you? Do you like this thing, this shepherding? I mean, it doesn't have, uh, you know, there's not a lot of good stigma with it. I mean, you kind of step down in class. I think he would say, I'm good. I'm good. We got in our church, I said, look, it's great that you retired and we may have some things for you to do around the church. Um, and I know your wife has some things for you. He said, stop right there. He said, I want you to know I had to retire just to become useful. That's not his guy. And, and so and I think I think Moses wasn't wanting to be all that useful. But then there was this strange phenomenon. On the mount, not forth, there's this bush, this shrub that was burning, it was not heard his name, Moses, Moses, he thought to himself, who knows me out of here, besides my wife and the tribe that I'm a part of, but he draws near to this bush, it is not burning, we don't think he was a smoker, he didn't flick a cigarette into it, it ignited and continued to burn and was not consumed, and he said, take off your shoes, the Lord." Meaning you're on sacred ground. Anytime we're called to something, I don't care what it is, if you feel a calling, that is a sacred thing. In fact, every one of us has been called. And if we refer back to that moment, you would have the right to take off your shoes because God has called every one of us. But here's the shepherd that draws near to the burning bush, and as he draws near, he says, Take your sandals off, you're on the holy ground. He says, I hear the cry of my people. Now, I don't know if Moses still remembered the cry of the Hebrews. I don't know if somehow he got apathetic with it all. He may have still cared for his own race. But I know that God did not forget his people. And I know that he still had compassion for any that are held unjust, that are persecuted or manipulated. And God has not forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten me. And he said, I have seen a love that. I have seen. I don't suspect. 
I don't just somehow assume. I see the people and the affliction of my people, and I want you to set them free. I want you to be the spokesperson. Now, Moses tried to respond like a lot of us with justifying why he may not have been the right person. The first thing he says is, Lord, if that is who you are, I don't speak so good. I stutter all the time. I have an impediment. Moses made your mouth. I will use anyone or any part of you that I choose. But Lord, what about my credibility? I don't have much capital to spend as a person. Who do I say sent me? I don't have credentials. Say, I am who I am. Since, uh, Lord, that's not a lot to go on. I'm not sure that's going to be well received. I am sent me. I am the father of Abraham. I said, I'm the God of goodness. I established a covenant that I will care for them. And you will help me set them free. And know that I will always be with you. It's interesting, isn't it, how God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God calls common people to do uncommon things. Real heroes are those that go into the deepest, most desperate, darkest places. And it's at that point, when used by God, that they become heroic. Think of how Jesus selected a motley crew of people, broken people like you and me, to offer a message of holiness and health. And blessing. 
same people would ignite a movement. Her name, Finiato, Fini, kind of different name. Finiato was telling me her husband was dying of cancer, and I would go to the hospice, I would go to the hospital check in as pastors. Fini lived in Albany, Georgia. We served in Albany, Georgia. And while we were in Albany, Georgia, I had the blessing of meeting the Alto family. And she was a caregiver to her husband. And I asked her, I said, you, you're blessing. And you're blessing your husband in sickness and in health. How do you do it, Fanny? And then she told me this she said this story became a catalyst for her to be able to do other things in life. She said, our third son was born. All things looked okay. The other two were developing well and they were getting older as children do. But she said, little David seemed to be doing okay, but he, he wasn't really talking. And we thought, well, maybe the brothers were talking for him. Then we noticed he had some peculiar behaviors. And we would watch him, but we didn't think anything of it. And as he matured, we continued to see these become accentuated. Some awkwardness in his gait when he would walk, in his motor skills, and his ability to communicate. It was all limited. And one day, when they were in the kitchen, John and husband wife and mother looked at each other and they knew. They knew at that moment this was an unusual child. This child had special needs and so there was a sense that they wanted to hasten the pace and they went and they had a battery of tests done and the physician said he's very, very delayed. He has medical problems. He has cerebral development issues. He will never be able to live by himself. He will never live the kind of lives, the life that his brothers will live. He has special needs. And they were blown away. She said the next day they went to the church where I would eventually serve Just love it. You don't have to be a specialist. 
Jesus sees suffering of his people. He desires to make us whole. He has the power, the supernatural power that has been given 